Welcome to the Chief Endurance Officer Podcast. I'm your host, Greg McDonough. Each week, we hear real-time stories from athletes and CEOs on how to maximize performance through an endurance mindset. Let's get started. Welcome to the Chief Endurance Officer Podcast. I'm your host, Greg McDonough. Today's guest is a writer, an endurance athlete, and author of four books, leadership professor, stand-up comedian, and nonprofit executive. He's had clients with the U.S. Air Force, Australian government, and Fortune 50 companies. He competes in ultra marathons and Ironman triathlons. He's a keynote speaker and MC at the Freak Factory. Please welcome David Randell. Welcome, Dave. It's good to be here. It's great to see you again. Um, so this podcast, we focus on endurance leadership. And my favorite question to ask is, David, tell me how your endurance mindset has affected your life unexpectedly. Yeah, that's a great question. And I, I think about this a lot. I, I did my first marathon. In college, I played basketball. I wasn't very good, but it was enough to get a scholarship at a really small school. Um, so I, I, I ran to get ready for sports, right? But I didn't run on a regular basis. And then I broke my leg real bad playing basketball after college, just a couple of years after. Really severe break that required surgery. And I didn't do anything except walk. And even I wasn't doing a lot of that for almost 10 years. And after I broke my leg, I had not run in probably six, seven years because I didn't, I was like scared to jump on it, right? Jump and land on it after fracturing it so badly. After finishing my doctorate, moving to North Carolina to become a college professor, my kids were young, but I had a little more time finally because I wasn't going to school and working and teaching. I finally just had a teaching job, which is a pretty loose schedule. And I hadn't started my business yet. And my brother ran a marathon and I was like, well, I'm better than him, you know, so if he can run one, I can run one. And I wasn't running, like I said, at all. I wasn't running a mile. I wasn't running to the car when it rained. I wasn't doing anything. I'm like, I can run a marathon. So I went to the store, bought some shoes, bought some running shoes. And this is 2004. And I just put them on and I ran until I couldn't run anymore. And then I walked a little bit and then I ran and then I walked and then I ran and then I walked. And it turns out my neighborhood at the time with like cul-de-sacs was like almost exactly three miles. But this is even really before good GPS watches. So I didn't even know how far I'd gone until I drove it. Like I'd have to pre-drive my routes, you know, to find out how long they were. So then I started doing that three mile route, you know, and pretty soon I could run the whole thing. And then pretty soon I could run it pretty good. And then I'd run longer runs on the weekend. So my plan was run twice a week and then run a long run on the weekend. That's all I did to train for the marathon. And then I ran a 5K race and a 10K race and then a half marathon. And then I ran a full marathon like six months after starting running. I remember finishing and my biggest takeaway, and this goes to your question, my biggest takeaway was if I can do that, I wonder what else I can do, right? If I can do that, I wonder what else I can do. Not, oh, look at me, I did it or... Um, I'm going to do it again, but do it faster or anything like that. And it wasn't like, oh, good. I'm glad that's over. It was like, if I can do that, I wonder what else I can do. Not just in endurance stuff, but sort of in everything. Right. Um, I hadn't started my business yet. I, then I started a business. I started doing ultra marathons. If I can do, you know, 26 miles, maybe I can do 31 miles. Maybe I can do a 50 K. I did a 40 mile race. I wasn't sure if I could do the 40 mile race. And then I looked it up online and the finishers from the previous year, some of them were like 68 and 65. And I was like 30. And I'm like, even if they were Olympic athletes when they were younger, like if a 68 year old can do it, it's certainly within the realm of like, I'd have to train obviously, but like this is the 40 miles just seemed insane to me. Right. Um, so yeah, that was my biggest takeaway. If I can do this, I wonder what else I can do. 
Um, and so just the confidence that it gave me to take on a challenge, overcome a challenge, push myself to a limit in a very specific area. Um, I think that was the biggest takeaway for me so far. Let's dig into that a little bit more around your business and personal life. Let's start with business. Are there, can you give us an example of something that you do now or tried that you wouldn't have tried prior to taking on your endurance mindset? Well, I think it just, it gave me the confidence to go after things. I remember listening to a Jack Canfield book around the same time on tape, right? <laughs> it's in the same century, you know, it was less than 20 years ago, but on tape from the library and going like, ooh, I wonder if it's possible to make six figures. You know, I wonder if that's within the realm of, right? And I think maybe, you know, again, it just started giving me the like, well, let's see what happens, right? If you can, if you can set that goal and achieve that, then you can set other goals and achieve those goals. So I don't know, um, you know, it's like correlation isn't causation. I don't know the exact, you know, setup, but that was a moment of, wow, that's a big thing that I thought was impossible. I wonder if there's other things that I've thought were, sort of beyond where I am as a person that I could achieve. And so, I mean, it certainly kept going in endurance sports. I've done multiple Ironmans, you know, even doing my first triathlon was like, can I swim enough to go back and forth? I've never done that before, you know, writing my first book. So I think all the things I've done are pretty much kind of the same thing. I've never done this before. I don't know if I can, I'm going to give it a shot and see what happens. And then every time you you hit one of those targets, you start wondering what's the next thing, what's the next thing, what's the next thing. So I think it's been a nonstop with athletics and with business and with relationship stuff, um, you know, of what's, what's next. I've always been, uh, and I don't think the marathon changed that for me. I think that's part of my personality. Okay, I did that. Where does this go in the future? Not let's just keep sitting on that and, and, and resting on that and, and saying, I did that. And so now I'm done. Right. Like some people, you know, they have an advanced degree and that's all they talk about. It's been 20 years. You know, well, I have a master's degree. Well, what have you done in the last 20 years? Well, I have a doctorate. Well, what have you done, though, in the last 20 years? Well, you know, I did go to this prestigious. Right. But what have you done in the last 20 years? And so I'm not a person to kind of stop with a particular thing. You know, I want to see how far how far it can go. I'm going to turn 50 this year. And I'm still asking those same questions. Basically, if I can do that, I wonder what else I can do. Last year, I had my best year ever in the business. Well, if I can do that, I wonder how much farther I can take it. You know, um, I wonder how much farther I can go. Um, so I think I'm always, um, you know, asking those same questions, you know, on a regular basis with everything. So, David, you mentioned your books. Um, so putting that in context, are there specific stories or examples with throughout your books that you can tie back to your endurance mindset? I think the process of writing them probably ties in a little bit. Like, like my co-author Stan and I, during the pandemic, we would basically meet up once a week um, and we rewrote Pink Goldfish to Pink Goldfish 2.0 and added about 75% new content, took out a bunch of stuff that you know wasn't as good as the new stuff we'd found rewrote a bunch of stuff, added a bunch of stuff, changed a bunch of stuff around. And it wasn't, let's go to a writer's weekend, you know, let's take a week off and go to a cabin and lock ourselves in. Uh, you know, that's not how you do an endurance race. The way you do an endurance race is you get up almost every day and do something, right? You lift weights 
you run, you walk, you bike, you swim, you train, you stretch, you get massage. Uh, you don't run a marathon because you had a good training week. You run a marathon because you trained and trained and trained and trained and trained. And so I think the way we wrote that book was like, you know, no real urgency, just show up every week, put in the time, just basically we're going to spend the day on this and then we're going to come back next week and we're going to do it again. And we're going to come back next week and do it again. And we're going to come back next week and do it again. And we created this routine. We created this habit. We created this rhythm and I actually kind of miss it a little bit. And part of it was because we were going bankrupt and we had nothing else to do because we were professional speakers and we couldn't go do our jobs anywhere. But even that, I think, was part of the endurance mindset, right? I'm not going to lose. I'm not going to give up. I'm going to do something now during a slow time that will pay off for me when things turn around. I'm not going to throw in the towel. I'm not going to just get depressed um, and say it's no fair and sit at home and watch Netflix. And certainly I did some of that, right? But I'm going to use this time to invest in the future, right? And invest in the next thing. I also started um, an online assessment project um, that I'm still working on where I'm basically creating another version of like a disc or an MBTI or a strengths finder based on my freak factor concept. And that's going very, very well. Um, and that was, again, based on that kind of never give up kind of mindset from endurance stuff, right? Like I'm going to finish. Um, I'm going to reach the end. I'm going to do what I committed to do. I'm not going, I'm not going to give up, um, or I'm not going to give up easily. Um, and so I had learned during the pandemic that I needed a more diversified business. It seemed like I had one, right? Cause I don't have just one customer, right? People hire me for keynote. Somebody else hires me to keynote. Somebody else hires me to MC. I don't have one customer, you know, I'm not reliant on one, but it turned out everybody, you know, it could become illegal to work with me, right? Um, and that could all happen at the same time, even with all the different customers. So I realized I needed something that was virtual. I needed something that didn't require me. I needed something people could do on their own. I needed something people could purchase without me going somewhere. Um, and so I think that's one of the 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 big things that that drives my business is I've never i've I've only once started a race that I didn't finish. Um, in all of these years, um, I've never signed up for a race that I didn't go to and do. I've never canceled a race or not even started one. Right. Um, and the only one I didn't finish, I signed up for a hundred K run and it was going to be four months after I broke my shoulder in a bike accident in, uh, in Ironman training and had to have reconstructive surgery. And so after like a month and a half, I could run, but I couldn't bike or swim. And so I wanted to set a big challenge so that I didn't fall off the wagon when it came to fitness, but I couldn't bike or I couldn't swim. I mean, I couldn't even, I couldn't even lift my arm, right? But I could run. And so I found one and it wasn't a perfect timing, but I thought this will push me to my limits, right? I've never done a hundred K. Um, and I just got off of, you know, I'm in physical therapy for my shoulder. I just got out of the hospital, you know, um, and my sister was going to pace me. Um, and then she decided to do the race. So I lost my pacer, which I thought was fine, but it wasn't because then I was spending a ton of time getting my food, getting my stuff. I was trying to help her instead of her helping me. I was giving her my gear because she didn't bring a jacket. I was, you know, I wasn't listening to stuff that I would normally do to kind of like I listen to a long audio book and kind of distract me from the fact that I'm out there all night. Um, but we also weren't talking that much, but I didn't want to be completely shut off from her. Um, and then at 50 miles, she was like, I'm done, you know, 
I don't want to do this anymore. And I had to decide, am I, she, she was only there with me. Am I going to leave her in the car in the middle of the night till like four in the morning, you know, with no food or, you know, just sitting there for hours after this race while I go finish. Um, and I decided to stop because I'd never done 50. So I saw that as an accomplishment. Um, my dad had run like 18 miles with us and he was 70 years old. He had done a few loops with us and that was pretty cool. It was the longest he'd ever run in his life, 18 miles. So I marked it off as a success, but then they don't do the race anymore. And it's still one of those kind of unfinished business things for me. And so that's the kind of person I am. Like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to finish it. I'm going to get done with it. And so even if I have to go back there and do it on my own, I'm going to do that. Even though I've done hundred mile races since then and stuff like that, like I'm going to do that 62 miles at some point. So I think that, that kind of, you know, just get to the finish line at all costs kind of mindset is the thing that, that, that drives me. I'm a person that knows if I like one of the ways for me to stay fit is to set a goal this year. I have Ironman Wisconsin finally after, you know, three years of no four years of no Ironmans. I did three Ironmans in 11 weeks in 2019. I was on a massive roll um, at the end of 2019. And then it was impossible to do an Ironman race for years. <laughs> and so having that on the calendar and you and I are working on it together, we'll both be there. There's no like, oh, should I push it? Oh, should I? Like, I just do what I say I'm going to do. I go to the things that I sign up for. And so that's one of the ways that I drive my fitness is I put a race on the calendar and I, I just know I'm going to do that. So I think that's a mindset. That's an endurance mindset. Are you leaving yourself a way out? Are you setting a goal, but it's okay if you don't achieve it? Um, are you deciding to do things, but you're okay backing out? And I'm not saying you shouldn't ever stop doing something that isn't working or isn't fitting, but I think a lot of people just like, are you going to be there at 10 o'clock? Yeah, I might. Uh, you know, are you going to hit these goals? Yeah, probably. Are you going to be at this thing? Maybe. Are you going to finish this project? And I think that's where the, you know, can you set start and finish lines and move consistently from one side to the other? I think that's why endurance is so um, attractive to people when their jobs are fuzzy and messy and unclear and never finished, it's nice to go start and finish and know how you did and compare it to other things. Certainly. Dave, I'm curious, have you had this mentality all your life? I mean, growing up as a kid through your college years, doctorate, have you had this mentality all your life? I think so. Uh, one of my top five strengths on StrengthsFinder is Achiever which is finishing things. The other one is activator, which is starting things. <laughs> uh, you know, when my, when I was a kid, we didn't have any money. Um, and I would literally go to school with hole, holes in my pants, patches on my pants, pants that were too short. I mean, it was embarrassing stuff. I'd get teased and, and humiliated. You know, I'd have shoes that were worn out and didn't work anyway. They had like plastic bottoms on them. So you couldn't like do anything in the gym. Cause you just like, you were on roller skates. And so, I mean, at 12 years old, I started delivering newspapers and I did it until I was 16 when I could legally get some other kind of job. Um, I bought my family's first TV. I bought ceiling fans because we didn't have air conditioning. Um, I've always been like a take matters into your own hands kind of person, I guess. Um, and a person who's going to get things done. I worked seven jobs to get through college. I borrowed all the money I could, and that still wasn't enough. I had an aunt who helped me out, and that still wasn't enough. Um, and so I worked day and night to, to get through college. I did both of my master's and doctorate while working full time. Um, so yeah, I've always been uh, like 
you know, do what it takes, push yourself, see how far you can go. I'm kind of a person. When I was young, I was always in athletics, baseball, football, basketball, soccer, cross country, golf, um, you know, and always wanted to be as good as I could possibly. I always tried harder than anybody else did. I, I, when I graduated from high school, I was 6'4", 145. You know, that's, there's JV girls basketball players who are thicker than that, right? Um, and so I won in life based on intensity, right? I tried harder than most people did. I wanted it more than most people. I mean, if we were playing pickup football at recess, it was the Super Bowl for me. I was going to intercept that pass. I was going to catch that touchdown. I was going to, you know what I mean? It was not, this was not like, oh, I guess we're out here for 20 minutes. Like it was, I was, I was going to be Tony Dorsett. You know what I mean? I was going to, I was going to go to the Pro Bowl. Um, so yeah, I think to some extent I've always had a mindset of achievement, accomplishment, and, and I think that crosses over. I think I wish I would have found endurance sports earlier because I'm also, I think this is an interesting one. I'm not a team player. I'm an individual performer. That's why I run my own business. And growing up, it's all, I got to be a team player. got to teach your kids to be team players. Everybody's going to be a team player. No, you don't. Golf isn't a team sport. Swimming isn't a team sport. Tennis isn't a team sport. I wish I would have discovered individual sports earlier because I'm an individual performer and I would like what I put into it to be what I get out of it. Not, well, Greg didn't care. Like we didn't have enough people in my high school basketball team to go five on five in practice. So, and most of those people were just trying to stay fit for the soccer season. So they didn't care for me. It was my way to pay for college. It was my way to get an education and it was my best sport. And I had the height for it and I had the drive for it. And it was all I did. And I was playing with a bunch of people who kind of didn't really care that much and never really played basketball when they weren't at basketball practice and sometimes didn't even come to practice. So I wish I would have discovered individual sports sooner you know, because what you put into an individual sport is what you get out. If you don't finish an Ironman, you didn't do enough or you didn't prepare enough or you didn't, you know, you didn't figure something out. If, you know, I had to practice fixing flat tires, um, you know, and if, if you don't know how to do it and that derails your race, there's no one to blame. Right. And I like that. Um, and, and other people might not, but also, you know, there's ways to do it. So I think that's a good question, even for endurance. Like, are you an individual endurance person or are you a team endurance person? Right. Mm -hmm. Do you want other people around you and with you? And sometimes people say it wouldn't be possible without that's not true. In my case, you can say whatever you want. I go to races by myself. I, I handle everything by myself. Some people are like, oh, somebody was there. And that's what really helped me cross the finish line. I, I got this card or knowing that my wife would be there. No offense to my wife or anybody else. She doesn't want to be there, first of all. But that's not like I'd cross the finish line because I signed up for this thing, right? I don't need some kind of emotional kick in the middle for me to decide to get there. Something awful would have to happen for me um, to not get there. In fact, that happened once. I went to Ironman Montremblant and I broke my foot the day before the race. I was walking down to the swim area to practice swim. And I probably had something, you know, stress related wrong with my foot that I didn't know about. And I just stepped down on a stair, not a twisted ankle, not a mistake, not a fall, just a regular walking. And I just heard this crack and a bone in my foot just snapped the middle bone in the middle of my foot. So the middle from side to side, right? And the middle from top to bottom, it just snapped. So I couldn't do the race, right? I was at an Ironman. I'd done all the training. I'd done everything. I traveled to Canada. I'd shipped my bike. And all I did for that next year was train to go back there and finish. Um, and I finished the next year. I was 2,000 out of 2,200 people. Um, 
but I finished. I was I was going to go back there and I was going to do that race, right? Um, and so I think that's the that's the endurance mindset. If you can bring that to work, I'm going to do this. I'm going to finish this. I'm going to accomplish this. The question isn't if, it's just how. Um, I think that, but if you leave yourself a lot of, well, maybe not, you know, eh, maybe it's okay if I don't, then you're going to, you're going to find those excuses and you're going to, you're going to quit. You know, I mean, as you and I've talked about, I mean, I've been training for this Ironman, um, Wisconsin for three months now, but I've also had three, you know, major colds, chest congestion, coughing, miserable stuff that keeps you and that I've gone to the pool to swim and oh yeah we're closed from one to four every day because we don't have enough lifeguards and then I go back a different day oh we're closed because there's a swim meet I go back again we're closed because we're cleaning the pool I go back again right it hasn't been easy it hasn't been going smoothly it hasn't been going well but at no point have I gone like oh okay so then I'll just bail it's like okay well I'm gonna have to train harder for the next couple months then I'm gonna have to get healthier I'm gonna have to find another solution for the pool um so I think if you are giving yourself a lot of excuses or you're bailing a lot, I think the question is, could I, you know, try some of this stuff and maybe could I try to teach myself some of these lessons in athletics and see if they do cross over to some of my other stuff, see if some of that satisfaction or drive or some of those lessons will cross over. You mentioned these obstacles that we run into, especially during our training season, you know, the pool being closed, swim meet there. You know, you can't find your shoes. You know, I find that getting through those obstacles and also finding new ways to accomplish what I was trying to do that week then strengthens the performance on race day or as you progress across your training. And so I, there's been many races where I'd sit back and I felt like I'm struggling or I know I'm struggling, but then I would recall, you know, this is easier than it was on my bike a month ago when I was trying to climb that 2000 elevation climb. Um, yeah. Dave, a few minutes ago, you mentioned habits and rhythms, and I wanted to come back to talk about habits. Are there habits that you have daily, weekly, monthly that relate to business, your fitness? Talk to us about how habits sort of support what you do. Yeah, that's a weird one because I kind of don't. I mean, I do. I have an exercise habit. I will exercise. Even if even if things are going wrong, I'm going to, if for no other reason, then I just can't sit still. I'm going to go and take a walk. You know, like like this, I have a call with you and then I have another call, then I have another call, but I keep time in between. And at the very least, I'm going to run out the door after the one call and I'm going to do a 20 minute loop around my neighborhood and come back and do the next call. You know what I mean? I'm going to I'm going to do that. I'm going to do one of those calls that's on the phone, not on Zoom. I'm going to do it on the bike and I'm not going to be doing a Peloton workout, you know, but I'm going to be spinning you know, at 15, 16 miles an hour, low intensity, low heart rate while I'm on the bike. So, but I don't, my life doesn't lend itself well to every day at eight o'clock, I do this. Every day at 10 o'clock, I do this. Every Saturday, I do this because of I'm a keynote speaker. And sometimes that keynote's on Sunday night in Vancouver. And sometimes, so my, 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 my endurance training program is I do whatever I can, whenever I can, however I can. So if I'm at a hotel and they have a good bike, I do a bunch of biking. If they don't, you can always run. You don't even need a treadmill. You can always go outside and run. If the weather's terrible, I can do push-ups. I can do sit-ups. I can do whatever. If I have all day, I can sw- and then they have a good pool. I can swim, bike, and run, and put in like a five, six-hour crazy like triathlon simulation. Um, 
So it's like, I'm going to do something whenever, but some days, you know, maybe I'm, I get up at five in the morning just to get to the plane, just to fly here, just to drive here, just to speak, just to barely make it alive to the next thing. And then my goal is sleep, rest, health, mm. you know, those nutrition, those kinds of things. So I don't have a lot of habits other than I am going to do it. Um, but uh, you know, one time I landed in Salt Lake City, I'm like, oh, good, a little bit of elevation. And I've got a little bit of time before I need to be to the hotel. And so I found some park and I ran for 12 miles at 4,500 feet. Um, and then I drove up to Park City, Utah, which is like 8,000 feet. I was like, oh, geez, I've never swam at elevation. And they had a nice lap pool. And boy, that's hard. You can't breathe and you can't breathe you know, while you're getting your head out of the water. And it was like on a ski mountain. So I'm like, oh, wow, now I can try some elevation and some really steep climbs and some really difficult, you know, stuff. So um, I don't have the, you know, every day at 5.30, I wake up and I have a cup of coffee and then I do this and read. And then I, I don't have anything like that. Um, but I have like, every day I'm going to do something. When is it going to work with the other schedule that I have? Because a lot of it is scheduled around other people. When I do coaching calls, it's not about me. It's about them, right? They're, they work at night or they're only available in the morning or they're, you know, I work with people who work 12 hour shifts um, and work 24 seven and stuff like that. So, um, you know, I have very flexible habits. I could, you can't do a 100 mile race, for example, if you aren't consistently running but I don't have a, I always run it. Like, so for example, yesterday, um, I had the whole day off basically after one call. So I drove to the state park where they have hills and I can run on trails. And I ran eight miles because I had the whole day and I didn't have to worry about being back. This morning, I've got calls all day. So at 8.30 this morning, I put on my running shoes and ran a 5K uh, in my neighborhood. And, you know, so I just do what I can when I can where I can, but I don't have a ton of, you know, habits around that. Um, and, and to some extent I wish I could, and maybe now my kids, I just took my daughter to school for the last time and she'll be able to drive herself next year. So it may be to where I can take a little more control over that. Um, but to this point, you know, I've done 10, 15 years of endurance racing and I haven't been able to, um, and I, I think that's actually a pros and cons. If you read about it, you know, people talk about muscle confusion and all sorts of stuff like that. So there's some people who are like habit, 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 habit. And other people are like, if you get into too much of a routine, your body kind of settles in and you don't get the same amount of gains and stuff like that. And also an Ironman or a 100 mile race isn't a workout you can simulate. And so if there are days where I can just go for five, six, seven hours of all sorts of different kinds of training, and then there's other days I can't do anything, that's kind of like an Ironman. You get up to that day and you do a ton, and then you don't for a little while, you know? So, so great. Yeah. Great point. And I, and I appreciate the flexible habits and your, and your comments around that. And I also uh, picked up that, the comment you made around recovery and how recovery is actually part of your exercise habit. Oh, that's a big one. So if I, okay, so I'm going to take that back. If I had a habit that I think has made me successful as a person, and this seems totally opposite to what we're talking about, but it's not. I think my number one habit, and I've had it since I was 12. Remember I delivered, I said I delivered newspapers at five o'clock every morning. If I was going to get up at five in the morning and deliver newspapers, I was going to go to bed at eight o'clock at night. I made sure I got sleep for my entire life. 
I've always made sure I got sleep. When I had seven jobs, I always made sure I got sleep. I didn't go to bed late and get up early. I've always, and one of my, one of my key habits now that I will almost always make time for is an afternoon nap, right? In this very chair right here. So around three or four o'clock, I'm going to shut it down. I'm going to turn on some home and garden remodeling show, or I'm going to flip on some music that I like, and I'm going to close my eyes for 30 minutes to an hour. And I basically get a whole other day for the rest of the night, right? I, I basically reset. I wake up. I'm not drained. I'm not fading. My energy isn't declining. Um, I'm going to have that energy to maybe put in another workout. I'm going to have that energy to, uh, one of the things I've learned is that I eat bad when I'm tired. So one of the reasons I eat bad later in the evening is because I'm fading and your body's basically saying, give me some fuel that's going to keep me awake if you're going to keep doing this to me. And so I'm very, and when I was taking my daughter to school, which has been for the last 20 years, I've been taking daughters to school. You know, if I've got to get up at 6.55, I'm going to be in bed with the lights out before 10.55 so I can get eight hours of sleep. So if I had one habit, it is the recovery habit, right? Like I'll do all sorts of workouts and all sorts of things. When I'm on a plane, I'm sleeping. When I'm getting in late, I'm getting a good night's sleep. When I don't get a good night's sleep, I'm catching up on a nap either on the plane or at the hotel. So one of my non-negotiables for, you know, since I was 12 and I had to start doing things besides whatever I wanted to do all the time, that, that has been one habit and legitimate habit. Go to bed. I don't always go to bed at exactly the same time, but go to bed, get eight hours of sleep. If you don't get eight hours of sleep, get a nap. If you're doing extra workouts, get a nap to recover. I'm definitely a person who believes in that. I think that has been one of the reasons that I've had the longevity that I've had. I don't go too hard. I don't do too much. I don't overtrain. I don't sacrifice sleep for anything, basically. I'll always make sure I get that sleep. That's something that, that has been one thing. And I do think that's been one of the things that's made me successful in just about everything. I've never drank coffee um, to stay awake or to get through my day. Um, I just take a nap when I get tired. Um, and that's a luxury that I have as a self-employed person. I understand that. Um, but I haven't pushed. I think when you push your, I think there's some things that make your body stronger. I think there's other things that make your body weaker. And again, you, you don't get stronger while you're lifting weights. You get stronger in between lifting weights and the next time when your body recovers. Right. And I think that's a big lesson. So I'm a huge one for recovery. When I'm in hardcore ultra marathon, Ironman training, it's like get up, work out, do other stuff, crash for a hard nap at some point, and then do some other stuff later. Get up, work out at some point, crash on a hard nap, and then go back and do other things I need to do. That sleep is an absolute essential for me for my life. Yeah, that's one that I didn't think of, and I think that's one a lot of people miss. Sure, sure. Yeah, I find that my best days the night before was good sleep plans, you know, rest, recovery. And then the next morning, it's like, wow, I just said, I'm going to have a great day today. It yeah. always ties back to sort of the evening before how you recover. Um, Dave, shifting gears, talk to us about what you do. Like we obviously, you mentioned keynotes a couple of times. Talk to us about your book. Give us the audience a sense of who you are, what you do. Yeah. Yeah. So I used to be a college professor teaching management leadership. I have my doctorate in management leadership. Interestingly, I don't teach anything I learned in my doctorate in management leadership because um, I don't think most of that's true or helpful. Um, 
but it helped me teach full-time, which was one of my goals. Um, but then I discovered keynote speaking and that's way better. Um, so my main book is called the freak factor. Um, and it's based on the idea that I got in trouble my whole life cause I couldn't sit still and be quiet and do what I was told. Um, and now I get paid to stand up and talk and run my own business. And, and, and this is sort of an example of that, right? I'm getting, I'm on an endurance podcast because I'm very, very, very active, not just very active. I'm very, very, very active, right? So I'm on an endurance podcast about running hundreds of miles and biking and swimming and whatever, more than regular. Most people will never do a marathon, right? Much less, you know, after biking hundred miles and stuff like that. And in school, they called me hyperactive and told me I was a bad person and I was rebellious and inappropriate and immature and all these things. And now I'm literally being asked to talk about how do you go that far? How do you do that much? So it used to be called hyperactive. Now it's called endurance, right? So that's the whole lesson of the book. And it's, it's basically my whole life philosophy. And it's basically what I'll be teaching until I die which is that sometimes things that look like weaknesses are also strengths. And if you want to be better, you shouldn't be fixing those things. You should be building on them. So that's one thing I would say when it comes to endurance, everybody doesn't need to be an endurance and everybody doesn't need to be an endurance sports. Some people should do CrossFit. Some people should do yoga. Some people should do whatever. Does that make sense? Some people should walk at the mall. Some people should um, meditate and not do any of it at all. Some people, whatever I do endurance stuff because I want to be out there doing it. Right. I don't, I don't do an Ironman cause Greg made me right. That's not what's happening. So I've always been incredibly active. And instead of getting criticized for that, now I get rewarded for that. So that's the lesson. And, you know, I run my own business, but you know, Oh Dave, you're not a team player. And why do you, why won't you do what you're told? And why won't you do it? Cause I got my own goals, right? I'm trying to accomplish my own things. So I learned that my weaknesses were strengths. I started to discover that other people have weaknesses that are strengths. I have these amazing stories of like dyslexic billionaires where they have this huge weakness that seems like you would live at home with your parents in the basement for the rest of your life and they become billionaires, successful people. Um, and so that's what I talk about. Um, it's funny, um, which is what makes me a good keynote speaker. And that's what I got in trouble for in school is being the class clown. So the lesson keeps showing up right? Um, it's energizing and entertaining because I'm easily bored. So I want to give the kind of speech that other people are going to like. And then now I get to be an MC, which is definitely class clown stuff. Cause that's improv. You don't know what you're going to say. You don't know what's going to happen. You don't know what's going to come up. You don't know what to do. I got to interview, uh, Robert Herchevec from shark tank for about 45 minutes the other day for an event, a virtual event later in the year, I got to be on stage with three of the sharks, Kevin, Robert, and Damon multiple times um and make them last um and you know those are life-changing sort of experiences because i learned that my weaknesses were strengths and i stopped fighting myself stopped trying to make myself sit still be quiet and do what i was told um and so that would be one weird lesson i would tell people on the chief endurance officer podcast is if you're not into endurance you don't need to be find your thing right there was a lady in one of my college classes years ago, one of my graduate school classes, and we were talking about goals. And she's like, I need to start running again, but I hate it. And I said, okay. I said, why do you need to start running again? Because it, it's healthy. It makes me healthier. And I said, okay. I said, didn't you tell me you're into some weird Chicago-style tap dancing? She goes, yeah. I said, do you love that? Yeah. Do you do that voluntarily? Yeah. Is that exercise? Yeah. So why are you trying to run? Right. 
go tap dance, right? Go tap dance every day of the week. Go get yourself a mat and get yourself some shoes so where you can do it. You don't damage your own floor. Get yourself some videos, go to classes, sign up for competitions or shows or performances or whatever. So, I, I mean, that's one of my lessons is like to be successful, you don't have to fight yourself. You know, to be successful, you can be yourself. Um, and for me, that's endurance. I like to get out there. I like to do things. Like I said, my two of my top five strengths are activate, get it started and achieve it, get it done. You know, and that that makes me a good person, but also makes me a bad person, because if you suck in the line for security, I'm pissed at you. Right. And I'll hold it together. But I'm judging you as a person because you can't do a good job getting through the line. Like I'm a, I'm going to let's do this. Let's achieve this. Let's finish this. Let's accomplish this. Let's if you're a bum, I'm not impressed. If you're a complainer, an excuse maker, I'm not impressed. I don't have as much empathy as I could have. I'm fairly empathic, but I'm like, oh, you could be better, but I realize everybody's different that way. And for me, it's I value achievement. I value accomplishment. Um, and so you don't have to be into endurance, right? Don't don't try to, if you need to be healthier, ask yourself, who am I? What's consistent with my personality? Like, like some people are always trying to talk me into yoga. Oh, Dave, you got to try yoga. Oh, Dave, you got to try meditation. Here's how, here's how non-meditation and yoga I am. I needed to do a training for a company on mindfulness. So I needed to listen to some books about mindfulness. And it was so boring. I put it on one and a half speed, right? The opposite of mindfulness is one and a half speed, right? <laughs> mindfulness is let's slow it down. Let's pause and reflect on it. I'm like, can we hurry this shit up? This is terrible. This lady needs to talk faster. When is this book ever going to be over? I also listened to the mindfulness book while I was trail running. I think that's against the rules. I was literally multitasking while listening to a book about why you shouldn't ever multitask and why you should be hyper-focused on what it is that you're doing while you're doing it. Be present in the moment and all of that kind of stuff. So I don't, I can't like, I'm never going to be a yoga person, but somebody who is wants me to be because they are, but I'm not trying to talk them into endurance running. Like if you like the yoga, that's great. But I don't, I can't get excited about like yoga, yoga-ing is hard. It, like it doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't work for me. Meditation. No, thank you. Well, it would help. I'm doing fine. I don't need to meditate. And that's not like, I, even when I'm napping, I got some music on. I've got the TV on, whatever. I'm doing okay. I'm mentally healthy. Don't worry about me. A silent retreat isn't for me, right? So I think push yourself. So I think that's maybe a thing to think about. Like, what are the things you can push yourself to do? If you're good at silence, can you push yourself farther? If you're good at meditation, can you push that time? If you're good at yoga, can you push those skills? So I think looking for what kind of endurance, do you want to have a marriage that endures, right? I think there's lots of things. So it doesn't have to be athletics. Um, but if you need to be fit, who are you? What do you like? What are you good at? And how can, are you a group sports person? Are you an individual sports person? Are you a numbers measurement person? Or are you an experienced kind of person? So I think I would encourage you to not try. I don't think most of the things I've achieved and then by like sucking it up and trying harder, it's by tapping into my natural passions and inclinations and, and riding that. Um, and, and I think more people would benefit from that instead of saying, oh, that's a good thing. And a, if I was a, one of the quotes in the book is from Pavarotti, who was a famous opera singer. And he said, a lot of people praise me for my discipline, but it's not discipline, it's devotion. So I think a, Good question is like, what's naturally easy for you? What do you enjoy that's also a good thing 
and valuable and useful or good for the world or good for you? And how can you spend more time and energy on that instead of constantly kind of pushing yourself to go be someone else or do something else? Uh, so that's what I talk about. I'm also, like I said, I'm an MC. I do speaker coaching now because I've been running a successful speaking business for 20 years. And there's a lot of speaker coaches out there who are like, oh, I can help you make a lot of money as a keynote speaker. And you're like, oh, when was your last keynote? They're like, well, I mean, I don't really get paid to do keynotes, but I've got this great. And you're like, well, that's BS, right? So I can actually help people give a speech that people want to listen to. My whole business is based on being good at what I'm doing and getting referrals from it. And so if I can help you be good at it, whereas a lot of people, their whole pitch is like, if you got better marketing, you'll get more speeches. And it's like, well, if your speeches are disappointing, you're constantly going to be chasing the next one, right? So I've been doing a lot more speaker coaching, which I really, really enjoy because for years, I never really thought about what I was doing. I was just kind of doing it instinctively, doing it naturally. And it's also really fun to see that person succeed at their speech and know you had a part of that. So I've been doing a lot of more, more of that speaker training. I've been doing a lot more of and really enjoying that as well. And then, like I said, I'm working on the assessment where people can find out how their strengths and weaknesses are connected and how they can build a life around, you know, who they really are instead of most assessments are like, that's great, Greg, let's turn you into someone else. You know, and we're like, well, why did we do an assessment? Why didn't we just start with, here's what a good person looks like, Greg, and why don't you be more like that, you know? So Dave, when that assessment is ready, please uh, share it with me so I can share it with our audience. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 in beta right now. I can send it to you where you can try an early version of it. It's um uh it's at amplifytest.com, amplify like Wi-Fi. So amplify is A-M-P-L-I-F-I um test.com. And um uh but I'll send you a, a link for the slightly updated version of it. And we're working on kind of a redesign um based on our beta testing of it, but it's generally there so far. And um I'm pretty excited about what it's gonna turn into. Great. I'll check it out. How else can audience members get in touch with you? What's your social media yeah. platform? If you, if you Google David Rendell, even if you spell it wrong, you're probably going to find me if you Google the freak factor. But my website is drendall.com. So D-R-E-N-D-A-L-L.com. Um, DavidRendell.com has been taken for 20 years by no one who ever has put anything on it, but uh, I can't buy it. And I moved on. But then it turned out my website is technically Dr. Endall. So some people think I'm into euthanasia and assisted suicide, um, and I'm not. But that was that old thing, right? Back in the day, you'd use your first initial and your last name for like your email and stuff like that when they were trying to really squeeze things down. So it's still there, drendall.com. Um, it's got all my, all my speeches, all my um, videos, all my books. Um, there's a kid's book related to the Freak Factor that uh, has a video that people can watch because um, I wanted it to be available for kids who maybe even couldn't read or maybe that was their thing with their dyslexia or their autism. They couldn't read, but they could have access to it or teachers could show it to students. Um, so yeah, that's my mission, my life mission. And I think that's another, maybe that's another endurance tie-in. People are like, what's your next thing going to be? There's always going to be a next thing, but the freak factor has been going for 15 years and it's not slowing down. Right. I had my biggest year last year. The message doesn't go out of style. It's not five Google SEO tips. Mm. This is my life's mission. My life's mission is to show parents that their kids' weaknesses are strengths, to show spouses and partners that their partners' weaknesses are strengths, to show employers that their weaknesses are strengths, that their employees' weaknesses are strengths, that their companies, that's a pink goldfish, that their companies' weaknesses are strengths. Um, and so this assessment will just take it to the next level. My life's work, what I hope to be doing when I'm you know, and that's another endurance thing, right? Like 
Some people are like, when are you going to retire and stuff like that? There's no reason I can't go fly to someplace and do a speech when I'm 85 years old. You know, there's a guy who just finished an Ironman and he was 85 years old. I can certainly get on an airplane and go do a speech at 85 years old. So I have no plans to quit or stop. And I think that changes the way you think about your life too. Like, what am I going to do when I'm 85? I don't have to store up a bunch of money by 65 and then retire because I, I have something I like to do that I'm good at and that is beneficial for people and I can do it forever, right? Um, so I think that's another endurance thing is like, what are some things, again, instead of what can I push myself to do? What are some things that I could see myself doing for 20, 30, 40, 50 years that I would never get tired of and that I would be proud of? And so if anything, you know, I'm going to turn 50 this year and I'm not like, oh, geez, we're on the downside. I just feel like it's still, you know, if I can do this, I wonder what else I can do. If I did that between 40 and 50, what can I do between 50 and 60, right? Um, so I think that's, you know, that's a great mindset. We started with that. You know, if I can do this, I wonder what else I can do. How can you push yourself? And, and I do think that's something that maybe some people underestimate that your success in some areas proves that you have potential in others. I think sometimes people think their success is too isolated. Sure, I'm a good runner, but I'm no good at filling the blank. Well, what could you do to kind of tie those things together better? And, and, and are you giving yourself enough credit for the, the, the work that it takes to be good in that one area? And how could you constantly be looking for translating those lessons from sort of one arena to another? And if at, in no other way, how could you design the rest of your life to be more like that activity that you're successful mm -hmm. at, right? You got group work, but you're good at an individual sport. You got a group business, but you're good at an individual sport. You've got a business where you have to be very flexible, but in your athletics, you succeed with a lot of persistence. Like, even if you don't feel like it translates, then start asking, how could I make it translate? How could I design? And that's what I've done. I exercise by myself and I, I work by myself. I train by myself and I, you know, I'm not motivated by group activities. I don't want to have to schedule my workouts around other people. And that wouldn't really work very well for me. But I also don't want to do that. Whereas other people, they love it. Oh, it's the group. It's the team. It's the, well, great. If that's you. And, and so you wouldn't be happy working by yourself, but maybe you are. Maybe you're a solopreneur. So maybe you want to build a team. Maybe you need to build some connections because you have work that's solo and you're not a solo person. You know, but sometimes people are like, well, that's a development thing. I need to get better. No, you don't. It, there's nothing wrong good or bad about wanting to work by yourself or working with other people, like build a life. Jack Daly talks about that, right? Life by design, build a life that fits you. But I think we get a lot of BS advice, especially on stuff like this, where it's about like achievement and endurance and stuff like that, where it's like, well, just fight through and push through. Well, is that what you want? Do you want a life where you're just unhappy every day and you're grinding something that you don't like? That's a terrible idea, right? So I think if anything, my endurance in any of the things that I've been enduring with is because I've, I'm doing something that fits me. David, not, so not fighting myself every single day. That's so well said. Um, and eye opening too. you know, I've read through your books and I've seen your keynotes and, and your message is consistent and it's powerful. Um, for those in the audience, if you picked up some value today, we ask that you share this podcast with your friends and family. Um, help spread this message because it's it is eye opening, right? Um, if I can do this, what else can I do? That mentality, wherever you apply it in your life, is a fantastic mentality. So, David, 
Thank you for being with us today. I really uh, enjoyed your insights and our discussion, and I look forward to towing the line with you in a couple months. Let me say one last thing. Not only did I snap my leg in half, my tibia in half when I was 24, but then when I was 36, I got hit by a truck and it destroyed my left elbow. Uh, when I was 12, I snapped my left arm in half and I can't turn it over anymore. Then I got attacked by the dogs while I was training for my second Ironman and shattered my shoulder. So this arm doesn't reach out all the way. It doesn't turn over. This one, if you see my shirt looks, my shirt looks uh, crooked because this shoulder slumped down from being broken and they put it back together as best they could. So like when I swim, I have to check a lot. Um, I've had all sorts of injuries. And again, I fought through those. So one of the things that people misconstrue about like focus on your strengths, do what you're good at, do what you're passionate at, find stuff that fits you. Is there like challenges are what make life important? Here's what I'm gonna tell you. Life's gonna be hard anyway. Don't make it harder than it has to be, right? Like an Ironman's hard, right? You don't have to make it harder. So even though I'm building on my strengths, and doing things that fits where I am, I still have challenges, right? Massive challenges, right? And a friend of mine um, in the entrepreneur world um, just was in Ironman 70.3 um, last weekend um, and was in a bike accident and, and passed away. Mm -hmm. um, doing what he loved, doing what he's the best at. He was a lifelong athlete. He had quads of steel. Um, and he'd been a lifetime bike rider. And somehow he got in at a bike crash um, at Ironman 70.3 in Chattanooga. And he didn't make it. Life's going to be hard even when you're doing what you what you love. Life's going to be hard even when you're doing what you're good at. You don't need to make it harder. But I think that's one of the misconceptions people have about like, well, Dave, life isn't about just floating through, coasting through. I love to do long distance activities, but it doesn't mean they're easy. And I've encountered all sorts of difficulties where I could have given up. My, my elbow is surgically repaired. My sh shoulder is surgically repaired. My leg is surgically repaired. You know, th there's all sorts of... I get sick. The pool is closed. It's still hard. Even when you're doing something that fits you, don't make it harder than it has to. Life's going to, mm. the pandemic's going to happen and your business is going to get shut down. You're going to face challenges, even when you're doing what you have the potential to be the best at. Right. And so I want to remind people that too, like I've had a tremendous amount of difficulty on the journey, but part of the reason I'm still on the journey is because I'm doing something I want to be doing that I don't want to quit or throw the towel in on. Very, very well said. Thanks again, Dave. It's great seeing you again. Yeah, thanks, Greg. Thank you for tuning in to the Chief Endurance Officer Podcast. To hear more inspiring stories and strategies around the endurance mindset, be sure to subscribe below or visit us at chiefenduranceofficer.com. Until next time, keep pushing those limits 